0: And there was no paid overtime. The job was more of a vocation. I remember when we were dealing with a nasty rape of an eight year old girl, policemen from across the nation were ringing up saying, It's my two days off. Can I come and help? Now that's dedication for you. In the mid 70s, there were strong rumours of a large pay increase, and university graduates were joining the job for the pay and chances of promotion. Nothing wrong with either of those reasons, but the job was altering and moving into a new age. The bobby on the beat was becoming surplus to requirements. I joined the job to work with people, and even after two years in the CID, I elected to go back to the beat. All policemen, coppers and bobbies, have stories to tell about their individual times in the force. Some, I'm sure, will be better, and most certainly different from mine. But I've never seen any written down by my contemporaries of the cliff. I, like all the other lads, have plenty of tales, so I set off to write some down for my own children, Richard, Sally and Paul, and also for my grandchildren, before memory fades. Six years ago, I was lucky enough to be invited to help Catherine Bailey with her research for Yorkshire's best-selling book of 2007 and the most sought-after library book of all time, Black Diamonds. Together we travelled several thousand miles over three years. and She now refers to my wife Christine and me as her northern mum and dad. Catherine Bailey and Brian Elliott... My mate from our radio Sheffield days, himself a local author and editor, urged me to put the stories into book form, and I hope that you will find them interesting. I would also like to express very special thanks to my dear wife Christine for all her help and support during the production of the draft manuscript. I would further like to thank my old pals, the other Atticleth bobbies, and especially John Colley and his wife Christine. Thanks must also go to the people and the many friends I made in Sheffield. Without them, there would have been no book to write. Chapter One My Very First Prisoner Squeak, squeak, squeak! Am I hearing things or what? then nothing except the repetitive sound of Brown Bailey's drop-hammer about a mile away. The hammer was used to reduce the size of the white, hot steel ingots produced from the furnace. It was so big that when you were near the steelworks, you could feel the ground move. There were hundreds of back-to-back dwellings around Brown Bailey's, as well as long rows of terraced houses, it was now about one thirty in the early hours. How the families who lived in those houses slept, I'll never know. The big hammer continued with awesome force all night long. No wonder a lot of the poor kids were late for school in the morning. Squeak, squeak, squeak. There it was again, but this time getting a bit louder, which suggested to me that whatever it was... It was getting nearer. There were only two dim gaslights still lit on Stevenson Road, and the only thing I could see were hundreds of snowflakes. It was 1962, the worst winter since 1947, and here I was, covered in snow, hidden in a doorhole, feeling and looking like a frozen statue. I had my night helmet on. Night helmets had a black badge on the front so as not to reflect the light. But there was no light to talk about. And every time I shook my cape and helmet, the snow fell onto the three to four inches already accumulated on the floor. I was reflecting that my first choice in life was to be an RAF fighter pilot, but having failed my one O level at school, I became a bobby instead. All you need is common sense, I was told.